Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, and we have a huge week in surfing news. First and foremost, we're going to talk about the final of Van Stab High, presented by Monster Energy. Some crazy things happen. We won't spoil too much, but we will give you just enough. Just enough, a little taste, a little teaser, and I don't think you're going to want to miss this. Next, we're going to be talking about John John Florence's Gravity, which spoiler alert is live on stab premium from saturday till monday we've got it for 48 hours so don't miss it buck and i are going to give you a little backstory on how we were actually co-stars in this film and then did you know october was the most chaotic month for surf sponsorship since covid hit i didn't really but then i read this story and i knew a lot about it so buck and i are going to get into the weeds about what happened in all the major surf brands next i sat down with albie layer to chat about his stab edit of the year entry delirium we also have a little chat about big wave surfboards which then descends into a chat about nazare and its relative value in the world of surfing and of course a surf sin so buck and i are going to break it all down let's get into it all right mikey you are almost a pirate like me we were so close to being true pirate radio, Buckley, and part of me wishes that it actually went all the way, and I, I lost my eye just like you. Wow. Well, for those of you who are not FaceTiming Mikey right now, which is everybody besides me, he has a bandage over what appears to be his left eye. If you're a longtime listener to this program, you know that I can't see on my right eye because I took a fin to the face. Mikey, what day was it that you took your fin to your face? I mean, you were due, but what day was it? It was, yeah, it was this past Saturday. We had a little swell in New Jersey. The waves were super fun. It was, like, actually really heavy for how, like, it wasn't a small swell, but it wasn't super big either, and it was just really, really square. And I'd been out there for a while. I was kind of, it was one of those days where you sort of do drifts and run back up the beach. I'd been drifting for, like, 15 minutes, hadn't caught a wave, and was sort of nearing the end of the part of the bank where you surf, and I was just, like, annoyed. So I took off on this stupid little wave, pulled in, and I knew it was a closeout, but whatever. Just jump in front of my board, as I always do. I even put my hands up, and I guess I realized that I didn't. I don't put my hands in the right spot when I put them up, because I put them up, like, sort of on the side of my head, which, in retrospect, is really dumb. But anyway, my fin found a way to connect with my face through my arms. So I was actually, yeah, I was pretty close to having an eyeball situation, but fortunately my, uh, my giant eyebrow caught it instead. Well, if you're looking for advice, folks, in my experience, it's better to hit your face on the fin than vice versa. It sounds like Mikey's was a case of a fin hitting him in the face. I would say, in my case, I kind of just, I headbutted the thing, really. So if you're looking to go blind, that's my recommendation. But yeah, you got a boo-boo. I'm blind. There's a lot of news on this week. Let's go straight into it. Vans Stab High Indonesia, presented by Monster Energy, Episode 4, the grand finale. You like fireworks shows, Mikey? You like them? You a fan? Before we get into that, can we just congratulate and just send a note of appreciation to the entire production team on this thing? Because they have been working so hard, so many late hours, long nights, weekends, to get these things out on a weekly basis. I think the first episode aired like three weeks after we left Lakey Peak, and the turnaround on this thing has just been remarkable. So kudos to all those people. They know who they are, but, you know, Will, Matt, John, and everybody else who's had a hand in this thing, congratulations, because you not only got the job done, but I think you surpassed most of our expectations on this thing. So now that we have that out of the way, I think the viewers' expectations are going to be surpassed as well, because I was there to watch this live, and... 
I still got goosebumps watching that one final back. Ooh, that one final. We're not going to give away too much here, folks, but we you'll see two finals when you watch this episode, which, as we've said, all eps have been free. So whether or not you're premium, you're able to get in there and enjoy. And that one final, huh? Interesting words there, Mikey. I mean, let's just say it. It was the Ladybirds, and we're going to also say unequivocally the best air ever landed by a female in the final. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. Here I was, Mr. Don't Spoil Nothing, (laughs) but he's just getting straight in. Okay, I don't disagree with anything. I mean, I think we're both quoted on camera in this episode saying that that's how we felt. That's how everybody there felt. And it turns out when you do an air show, everybody there is people that are the best in the world that airs and care really deeply about it. So seems like that's the case we have a best ever done on our hands it's one of those ones where i think last year we had a similar conversation about aaron brooks air that she did in costa rica versus maybe carissa moore's air that she did in australia and it was sort of apples and oranges a little bit and it was hard to compare the two and some people said one way some people said the other way when people see this air to me it's so cut and dry i've never seen oh it's a full fucking pomegranate (laughs) it's just there's so much power and control and style in this air and it's just like wow we almost broke the tower it was great and one thing i want to talk about and i was i was really interested to see if like you said the production team did such a great job and i was interested to see if they'd go there with the end result but we almost sent the ladybirds final out there on a different day in dramatically different conditions for the final they were ready to go in a boat we had them there waiting and like it would have been a day that would have been it wouldn't have been pushing limits i guess like they everybody probably would have landed in air but it wouldn't have felt very new it wouldn't have really been in the name of progression i don't think but it was a tough call like it seemed like a pretty 50 50 split and we ended up calling it off that one day which is smaller and sending them out there like when you watch this there's one wave of quincy that she gets in the final where she just has to eject and i mean this is just a, a very tall heavy wave like this is so far away from what you see people do airs, and I mean, this was a theme for the whole event. Like, and it was talked about on the men's side, but I mean, the ladybirds are are girls. They're, and when I say girls, I mean not adult females. Like, they are little girls, and they're out there in these waves that have so much power, and they're trying airs. And that was just like, I think that added another element. And the fact that we almost pushed it, almost went with it on a smaller day. It was just this crazy thing. Like I, I, you don't see that in the end result, but that's why you're listening here to get this little inside story. And I mean, do you remember that? Do you remember that call? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I think that call, a lot of it came actually from the parents who they were looking at the swell forecast and they were thinking like, oh man, I don't know if my daughter is going to be able to do an air when we go to the big day that the men are going to run on. And we went out there on that small day and... I mean, there was a lot of debate going on and there was a lot of like, oh, you know, like even Josh Kerr and Jason Kenworthy, who are, you know, obviously like big names in the surfing world and Josh in his own right, like absolutely world level surfer. And it's like, it's hard to go against those guys. But at the same time, you pull up there and you're seeing waves that are whatever, that are head high, they're fun. But to your point earlier, it was not going to push the sport. It wasn't even going to be as good as what the Ladybirds had already done in this event. So to me, the call was pretty easy. It was just a matter of, 
overcoming those really, you know, strong parental voices. And then even like you, you listen to the final and Josh Kerr is talking about it and he's like, yeah, like these are not conditions that Sierra and I would ever go out and I would have her practice airs in. But lo and behold, it actually allowed an opportunity for something so special to happen. So I'm really glad that, um, yeah, we were able to basically make the call, push the girls to serve something maybe they weren't especially comfortable with, but that they became comfortable with really quickly. And it was really apparent that like they were not scared out there whatsoever. And then on the men's side, this one was not so clear cut. This one took a lot of deliberation. Mm, yeah, that was a tough call. I remember I was judging the Ladybirds final. You were not. You were judging the men's final. I was not. And I remember walking away from the Ladybirds one going like, oh, my job was easy. Like, <laughs> no worries. And then the men's was so close that we had to all review it at the end. And it really took some serious thought. Like, it was, there are certain rounds of this event where, We've talked about it here before, but sometimes the job did feel easy. Sometimes it felt like, okay, we really need to figure this out. And I felt so happy to have our panel of judges. Between you, Nate, One, and Holly, I feel like we had different perspectives, different ideas, different tastes. But it was a really healthy, it was so fun, but also a really healthy dialogue I think when we had to like sit down at the end of days and figure it out like I just felt so much more confidence in our decision knowing that we had this group and people were all cared so much but all saw it from a little bit of a different way had different tastes and that made it easier but yeah it was a tough call it was a tough call and even like watching this episode back now like we obviously we all sat together we looked at each air we slow mode we put them side by side and even watching it back now I'm kind of scratching my head like man you know, there were a few errors that were actually really close. And now when I'm watching it back, I'm like, huh, I was like, that one better than that one? And like, did we? But, you know, we made a call and it was based on sort of some line of thinking that we'd been sticking with throughout the entire week, which I think is important, staying consistent on that. It, it came down to a bit of that, but I also do think like when I watch it back, I still think we got it completely right. I'd, I'd say that again. But hey, let's continue this dialogue next week, Mikey, and we'll name names. Okay. Now, before we do that, one more thing. Let's talk about where Van Stab High, presented by Monster Energy, might go next. For me, I think that right in uh, Reunion looks unbelievable, but I think the Goofy Foots would have an aneurysm if we went to another right. Oh my god, yeah, I already almost did. I was like, you're going to go to Reunion <laughs> Island, like the place that's sold for that dreamy left, St. Louis, and you're going to, no, that's immediately out of the question, no. Okay, so then I'm thinking like lefts. Where are the good left airwaves in the world? I guess you have that wave, Fernando de Neronia, where Italo goes a lot. I think that has a pretty predominant left air wind and obviously like a wedgy beach break. Uh, you have Rocky Point. People do a lot of airs out there. Might be hard to run a contest there, though, with all the permits and whatnot. Look over to Maui. Maybe we could go park up next to Albi Lair and see what him and Matt Miola are up to, see if that left is actually as good as they make it look. Or, or we could go back to a wave pool, because right now there are probably what, three to five legitimate airwave pools in the, in the world where we could run an event like this? Yeah. The technology there, we have options now, essentially. That's the best way to put it. We have Wave Garden's latest thing changed the game. A lot of wave pools now have air sections that before you'd have to put a fucking rock in the bottom or whatever it is, whereas now they're pools, it's just programming, and then the American Wave Machine pools, which is what Waco is, I actually haven't surfed one. You have plenty. 
I've heard nothing but good things, and we've all seen the clips. What's what's possible there? So, I know Palm Springs is almost ready too. That's interesting. And on the non-wave pool front, I'd throw Puerto Rico in the mix. Ooh, I would. Wind blowing in the left there. I think that I think you could pull it off there. Portugal, the right time you could. So, we have options. We got options. All right, so that's coming sometime in 2023. I don't know if we're going ocean, pool, or what, but we will find, hopefully, one of the best waves in the world for airs. We can go lake. <laughs> yeah, or lake. We already went to Lakey Peak, actually. We went to a lake. Not Slater's Lake. No, not that one. Watch now. John John Florence's Gravity. Starring John Florence, Brendan Buckley, Taylor Paul. Ethan Davis and Michael Caramella. <laughs> we were asked, okay, let me get this is true. This is this is absolutely true. But first I want to lay it out here. This is John John's edit from the 2021-2022 North Shore Winter, which was one for the record books. And I mean we have a healthy John doing some incredible surfing on the North Shore during an incredible year. This is a surf edit, but it's done in that John John production level way where he's not just going to show you a surf clip. He's going to tell a bit of a story. It's going to be shot incredibly. I mean, these things, they're the best. I think they're the best. And I mean that as the best. Every single thing that John John puts out, I mean, his surfing, you would watch any day of the week as much as you could. But his style of editing, it just like, I feel like he's doing such a good job with his ability to pair his incredible surfing with just just enough of a narrative to at least have a thread that's tying through it. It's, it's incredible, and I'm not just saying that because Mikey and I star in it. <laughs> so what Buck is referring to, of course, is the Waimea session. John uh, gets some of the most impressive and chaotic waves that i've seen at waimea in a long time like i feel like normally watching waimea it's fairly dull it's you know guys and girls taking off on waves that are you know vaguely large and scary but like it's just it doesn't look that impressive for some reason but then john goes out there on what was obviously the biggest day of the winter last year and is taking off on waves so much bigger than everyone, so much deeper than everyone. He tried to pull into like a barrel, which I know has happened before at Waimea, but it's pretty rare. And the fact that he just like knifed the drop on a proper set is wild. And yeah, Buck and I, along with Taylor Paul and Ethan Davis, we were out there that day. And we heard from a few people actually that the swell surpassed most people's expectations and probably could have been eddy worthy if people had been prepared for how big it actually was. So first and foremost, I like to say that we surfed in the eddy. We also starred in this film. I think there's definitely a clip of Buck in there and Ethan. I might see Taylor. I don't think I'm in the clip, unfortunately, but I can say with certainty that I touched the wave that John John caught as the ender of that section, which is the biggest wave I've ever touched in my entire life, hands down. Wow. I actually think, I'm pretty sure I got a wave before that. I saw that set paddling back out. I got to see that from the channel, which was the sickest thing ever. Didn't it close out the channel? I mean, not enough to like roll through it. Like it, there was, it was breaking a bit, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like steamrolling through the channel. 
Got it. Okay. And just to give like greater context to this wave, because like I said, it was like the biggest wave that I've ever been in the ocean for. This thing starts stacking out the back and naturally everybody in the lineup just starts paddling as fast as they can. And, you know, you're just thinking like survival at that point. And it just, you know, this is common in surfing where there's, you know, those one or two people who when everybody goes one direction, they go the other direction. But John had literally just paddled out. Like, I don't even know if he'd sat down on his board yet. I remember seeing him kind of cruise into the lineup. And at that point, it's pretty much as soon as I saw John coming from the channel, I looked out and I saw that set coming from freaking Alaska or wherever. And I'm just paddling as fast as I can trying to get past it. And I remember turning around as I'm like paddling over that thing and I just see this person on a red board just so much farther in than everyone and paddling the other direction. I'm like, what is they doing? Also, like where you have to catch this wave, this is what I realized, like this is my first time ever surfing Waimea, but where you have to catch that wave is so much farther in than where you think is remotely safe. Like I saw people turn around and start paddling in like 50 feet out past where I was because that's where it looked like the wave that big is going to break. But Waimea, it doesn't really, at least this wave, it didn't break out that much farther than every other wave. It just like got girthier sort of. And yeah, John just flipped and he knew that and he turned and paddled into this thing that was just, you watch it on a film and maybe if you weren't there, it doesn't have the same amount of impact. That's what we were talking about before, like being out in the water versus seeing it in a video. But it was just so incredible to see him just get out there. It was the first, by far the biggest wave he would have caught at that stage that winter and um yeah just flipped it no thought whatsoever and just paddled straight into it and then you see other waves where he's like he gets caught on the top of that one and he like air drops into it i don't know it's just like unbelievable that somebody can have that much confidence when they haven't surfed a wave like that in a long time it doesn't look like he even thinks anything bad could happen it looks like like a person who thinks it's like the rest of us serving like a chest high wave like yeah i'll swing on this thing it's late whatever like it it seriously looked like that level, but on the biggest scale I think I'd ever seen in person. And so I don't think that was the only clip that we were around for. We're, our heads aren't poking around this frame, but there are a bunch of errors in it. I, I think that we saw one. We were at log cabins one day, and I remember, did this stick out to you as well? Yeah, I remember he that He did one. this big old backside spinner that we were like, holy shit, that was incredible. And you even asked, like, do you think that even felt good to him? Like, do you think he, like, is like, oh, yeah, like, that's a clip, or is that just, like, a throwaway? That's in there, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little bit better, because part of me really thought, like, I don't even know if he would use this in an edit, but fortunately, it landed in there in his 20-minute winter reel, so we know that it's at least, like, half-decent in his mind. I mean, he didn't seem too excited about it. It didn't seem like, to answer your one question, did it feel that good to him? Probably not, but it made it in. Yeah, well, you see, there are airs twice the size of the one we're talking about in the same edit. There are also waves with multiple airs. There's one backside wave where he, like, does this one air that... You could tell he wasn't quite happy because it didn't get all the way around. He landed like half backwards and then he Hate goes that. to the Hate next section <laughs> and does the, the proper full rotation. It's just like a fuck you. So yeah, um, it, it, it doesn't need to be said, but obviously unbelievable surfing from, in my mind, the best surfer in the world in all conditions, which he displays in this video. He really does two to what? Two to 30, two to 40. What are we calling that wave? Oh, I'm at? Yeah. 69. <laughs> there it is so hawaiian anyway um go go watch it it's on the site and it is on the stab premium app that's right folks if you have not yet downloaded this thing it's on your smartphone you can get on your smart tv 
you can get it on your grandma's smartphone and smart TV too because everybody has these things now. And this is going to make it a lot easier for you to stream all of our videos. And this is this is one that you want on the big screen if you have one. If I'm not mistaken, we only have this for 48 hours. And that starts at 4 p.m. on Saturday. So if you're really quick to listening to the pod, it's maybe not up just yet. But it will be up on Saturday, 4 p.m. PST, that is California time. And it's only going to be there for 48 hours. So after that, you're going to have to find it elsewhere. I know you can get it by being a member of Florence Marine X. And maybe John will release it on his YouTube at some point. But if you want to watch it now, best chance is to get your Stab Premium account and watch it over the weekend because it will be gone quickly. It will. And another thing to call out here, John, he had this. It's on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, all those things. And you have to pay for it. I think it's five ninety nine. 100% of the proceeds go to the Oahu Junior Lifeguards. That was something John wanted to do. That is very, very honorable. And so to get it on Stab Premium, we also gave a donation to the Oahu Junior Guards. So a cool thing. Obviously a cause that we're happy to get behind, especially going into North Shore winter. So go watch it. If you need us to tell you to watch it, then you're stupid. Um, it's John John's reel from an incredible winter on the North Shore where he's healthy and surfing at home. Like, it's you just don't miss it. Duh. Surprise, surprise, Albulaire speaks his mind in his Stab Edit of the Year entry, Delirium. He speaks his mind with you, Mikey. Um, a bit in the edit, he speaks the mind of Sisyphus, this figure in Greek mythology who was sentenced to a pretty rough go of things i guess depending on how you look at it a french philosopher albert camus should i now you know what that's a name that i'm botching again i could say it real french or i could say it real i just kind of half-ass both and so <laughs> went albert went a little bit french with albert and then camus you wouldn't say the s that hard camus. so anyway delirium he references a greek myth and he serves kind of like john you i guess you know what you're getting into when you see an Albie Lair edit, just like you see a John edit. Like, you know Albie's not going to put something out unless he he doesn't put out half-ass shit, right? Like, he's going to have some really, really crazy stuff that he's been sitting on, had to work his ass off for, surf for eight hours, try millionaires, hurt himself, do all these things. And then he puts these things out that he's been doing it for over a decade now, and it will always blow your mind you always walk away from me like damn this guy is just an incredible surfer and he's doing something completely different to what everybody else on the planet does this falls into that category and a lot of our readers and commenters and stab premium members feel the same way there are multiple people in the comments of that video saying that this is now the leading stab edit of the year entry for them so they're saying it's eclipsed kale and leo and all the other people that have submitted um, because you can tell just the care that Albi puts into his craft, one, on the surfing side, two, it's maybe the highest... Pro- no, it is. It's the highest production-level stab edit of the year that we've gotten thus far. Mm. Like, he had a whole film production team working with him on this. I remember seeing in the credits that he had a gaffer, whatever that means. Um, so there's a lot that went into this, and to your point in the narration, there's a lot of thought that went into it as well. Truth be told, I didn't really understand the narration when I watched it the first time, 
But after talking with Albie and him explaining this sort of Sisyphus reference and that it's just sort of a big analogy for how he feels about surfing in that, you know, you, you make all these achievements that you work so hard for. For him, you know, it's it's these waves that Jaws that he's had and it's these double spins and things that he's worked years and years and years to finally get. And, you know, of course you get recognized for them, but, you know, a month later it's sort of like what's the next best thing you know what's what's coming next whether it's from Albie or somebody else and so it's really dealing with that along with some other really sort of existential questions like tell us about the session at that wave freight trains you had a pretty funny instagram post about it and i think there's only like one or two waves in this edit from that but that was like apparently the best that wave has been in like 20 years uh, yeah i just don't do crowds I was excited for that swell coming when I was coming in because I figured I'm like 31 now and I've, I've done more than my fair share of putting my time in here on that one <laughs> I thought I was a well-respected member of the surf community but I went out there and it was just there was no there was no um, etiquette or anything I just I had a full mental breakdown um when I say that, it's not like a like a not like a normal like oh yeah I was so angry with the crowd like I actually like really really freaked out and like retreated into myself for like weeks. <laughs> well, like that. What do you think sparked that? Like, was it that sense of like holy shit? I've been doing this for such a long time in Maui, and one of our best waves yeah. turns on, and I don't get any respect. Like, is it just like a kind of holistic thing like that? Yeah, it was like a whole thing. I, I mean, I just, when something like that happens, I like spiral like into pretty negative thought patterns like pretty easily, especially like, I think a big part of that is like the, the head injury a while ago, like my um, my spirals have been worse since then. <laughs> They're like way better than they were in the middle of it or anything, but like, yeah, that was just like, I just started thinking like crazy, like, like what is even the point of surfing? Like, I swear it's the most selfish act in the world and like, I don't think anyone's really contributing that much to like the world as a surfer. Besides like two or three people I can think of. <laughs> I was just like, what am I fucking doing with my life? <laughs> Whoa. I'm just another one of those. It was like, I don't know, I swear, I just like go to that place. Like I get over it eventually and I'm like, oh, you know, it's like I I I think your people are better people after they surf most of the time and that's that helps the world. But that was that was the thought pattern I got into. Oh, and sorry for the bad audio on that. I did not record it well. It's yet yeah, just that's user error on my end. So apologies if the audio experience is not amazing. It's Sam uh, Bankman Fried's fault. <laughs> yes, that's right. That was another thing. <laughs> yeah, so I asked Albie um, what he was going to do with this $2,000 Bitcoin if he won. And he said he was going to invest it in, in Ethereum. But to that point, uh, in the in the story, we we showed a clip from his winning intersection section intersection section, and yeah, it works. He won a hundred thousand dollars for that back in two thousand twelve. Was that the year? Correct. So you did a little bit of math. You went back and looked at the historical data on Bitcoin. Thir- Thirteen dollars then. <laughs> so if he had invested his hundred thousand dollar intersection earnings into Bitcoin in two thousand twelve. He would have a hundred and twenty-two million dollars, even with the crash. See, I mean, this is why we're doing it, right? <laughs> like, like, 
Sorry, Albie. Ours is a Bitcoin, so, you know. One thing I do want to talk about with all that is, like, so we did this, and I'm going to be honest. At least I expected more people to enter. I mean, we... The reason we did this is because we didn't want it to die. I think a lot of us that work at Stab, a lot of you listening, grew up with surf videos where it was just broken into parts, like that Taylor Steele era, but even before that you had videos broken into parts, but just like there was this golden age of just like get the best clips you can over an extended period of time, put them to this song that you think best embodies that type of surfing and get everybody else really fired up to go surf and watch it. We saw that dying. I mean, it was getting the incentive to go out and create that type of thing was just, they were disappearing. Like obviously there was a big push to have a YouTube channel, which was more about constant feeding something than, than take your time to do that. And then there's, you could, you tell more of a film, tell a story, but then again, you're not going for the best surfing there or you just put everything straight to the ground. Like this thing that we really felt like had some value that we didn't want to go away. We tried to incentivize with this stab out of the year. We thought more people were going to enter. And there were points where we almost just looked at it as a failure. Not quite. I mean, we have some incredible stuff there, but I think we looked at it. Failure is not the right word. We looked at it as like a thing like, okay, we should analyze whether or not we do this again. Like this, maybe don't, people don't care about this as much as we do. Um, we are getting to the end of the entry period. It's at the end of November is the, the deadline. And people are just coming out of the woodwork with absolute fucking bangers. And it's kind of re-energized this project. We, Albies, uh, we might have a Noah Dean one coming, to be honest. We do. Um, we do have a Noah Dean one coming. And it's We have a Noah Dean one. And it's, some, it's so fucked up. And I think the coolest thing about that is when we announced this, the Bitcoin was worth $43,000. At its peak, it was just over 68K. And right now, like you said, it's it's a, a worth Pizza Hut. A dinner at Pizza Hut is what we're giving away. And that is the coolest thing to me is because we thought that was really like, if that thing kept going up or whatever, like we really thought that was going to be a hook to get people. And the fact that it is at like, it's so much lower than what it was when we announced this thing and people are still just coming out to try to get like just the meaning of this thing. I think that's the coolest thing. It's like the money doesn't matter to people. It almost seems it's more just about trying to win this event trying to keep surf edits alive. And so thank you everybody. I think it's really cool to see. And it's uh it makes it so that we have some really cool shit to watch just some good music. And remember our stab premium members will actually get a vote in which edit wins the stab edit of the year when it comes time for the stab surfer of the year poll. So keep your emails open and we will be sliding in. We're sliding in folks. Keep an eye out. Why October, 2022 was the most chaotic month for surf sponsorship since COVID hit. Remember that when COVID hit and uh, the world ended for like 10 days and then everybody in the U.S. complained about a lockdown because I don't even know why. It didn't seem like anything really closed compared to the rest of the world. Um, and everybody lost their surf contracts. And then two months later, the lineups were like busier than they've ever been and everybody was making money. Remember that, Mikey? Strange times, Buck. Strange times. Sh strange times. Well, when that first kicked off, 
It turns out there's a clause written to most major surf deals called force majeure. And it's not just surf deals. This basically says, like, it's called the Act of God clause. It's basically saying, hey, if some unforeseeable event comes and changes, I guess, the state of play, we're allowed to just rip this contract up. I guess when COVID hit, people were like, yeah, I could prove that this was an unforeseeable thing. And so contracts were getting ripped up, renegotiated, this whole hectic thing, right? A lot of those contracts were more band-aid deals because let's say that was maybe march april 2020 a lot of those just went until the end of this year and so that's why we see october 2022 a big part of that was through the board riders group which owns quicksilver billabong ruka a few others their fiscal year ends at the end of october their fiscal year runs from november 1st to november 1st so that's kind of the short of why we saw some massive shakeups in the last month, but there is more to it than that. This is a story that I wrote. Sam helped a lot. Um, I actually set the byline as Stab because I felt like he added quite a bit and I felt not right taking all the responsibility for it. I saw somebody went back and changed my name. So yeah, that was mostly my writing, but a lot of help from Sam amongst others. And this is more than just answering that question posed in the title it also is just kind of lays out a lot of information about how surf deals work right now and i think it's a good read mikey you like it i loved it and i feel like this almost got sort of like it slipped under the radar because there's been so much going on that i feel like you know not everybody is necessarily focused on this there's like too many things to look at right now in the world on our website and everything in between so it's good to put all this stuff i think in one place which is what this story really does it talks about all the major shakeups of mostly ct surfers so obviously we're talking about leo firavanti leaving quick griffin colapinto getting on to quick uh, we talk about gabriel medina getting a new energy drink sponsor that sort of just was swept under the rug nobody really talked about that billabong also let go of jack freestone or vice versa but either way jack is no longer on billabong and jack Rabo is off mountain dew and on to red bull we believe starting in the beginning of 2023 so there's a lot there and honestly it seems like this story is still sort of going not so much in the pro surfer sponsorship side but we heard just yesterday that board riders the company that houses quicksilver billabong ruka let go of over 100 employees in the u.s i did talk to some people there yesterday um all of them are still employed thankfully and it definitely seems like interesting times i think like I worked at Quicksilver through a round or two of layoffs. It's just, I mean, it's the nature of it, right? Like, it's the nature of a company, especially that got bought by somebody like Oak Tree. And I don't think Oak Tree's endgame was ever to hold on to it. I think they just, they take what they call distressed assets and try to get them into better shape and then sell them off. That's kind of what they do. And so we'll see about the whole acquisition thing. Obviously, we will let you know what transpires. Hearing a lot of interesting talk around it, honestly. You know, they could be bought by a bigger player that runs some brands, including some other ones that are in the surf industry, or kind of some whispers of people buying them out privately, which that would also be cool. I mean, I think a lot of the people in those companies really believe in those companies. Like, they believe in the 
in the brands, like what has been built over in the case of Quicksilver and Billabong 50 years. Uh, they believe in the value of that and I think are really happy to work there and really believe that it could still be a driver of culture like like they have historically been. I think still are today. People like to talk shit on mainstream surf companies sometimes, but I really think like if these things weren't mainstream, then guess what? They wouldn't sponsor Griffin, okay? Like they wouldn't sponsor Italo. They could go fucking Hollister. That's what a non-mainstream surf company would look like. So I always kind of don't understand why people think that like it's all these companies have a gun to their head saying you have to sponsor a world title. They could, if they think it's all about just selling shit in malls, they wouldn't have to sponsor these top level people. They wouldn't have to invest in events. So that's kind of my take on it. And um, read this story because there's so much laid out in it that we didn't get into. It's pretty much a state of how surf sponsorships work in 2022. It focuses on this single event and what's happened in the last month, but you're going to learn a lot. Like I said, Sam put a lot of input in there and he is so, so, so knowledgeable on this type of thing. So if you want to know how all that works right now and how people think, how it's all working, go give it a read and uh, we'll keep you posted on other movements. How can you make a giant board on a big wave feel small? Mikey, you're a big YMA guy. What, how do you answer this? Well, I actually align with a, a lot of the theories in this story because the only time that I've ever ridden a big wave, or at least been out in big waves, I rode a single fin. Wow, that's okay. You're right. So you started this trend more or less. Yep. This is more or less a deep dive into the evolution that's happening in the space of big wave boards. It's super interesting. I mean... Everybody loves to nerd out on surfboard design. I think even if you don't ride big waves, I think this piece is still compelling. Even if you're not Buck or me. Yeah, even if you're not us, me, you, John, Twiggy, like the boys. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Tay Paul. <laughs> it's compelling. It just, it's interesting to see because obviously we're doing the same thing. If you paddle out at a wayside beach break or you paddle out at Mavs, you're doing the same thing in essence. And so, just like not as not as good as us. Yeah, so like you said, it's like me, Mikey, Twig, John kind of pushing this space. But for real, it's a great read. It is stuff that, I mean, you see big waves, it's like a paradox, right? Like they are the most, they seem to be the most interesting thing. Like you have HBO's 100-foot wave series, which is doing what no other surf series has been able to do lately, which is win Emmys and get a lot of mainstream attention. So people outside surfing are obviously interested in it. People in surfing always want to see big waves. I almost feel like Nazare, in a, in a way, has changed that a bit because you need, like, a wow moment in big waves. Like, think about that Twiggy wave at Jaws, and I think it was tw- 2018. We actually, I think, have a photo of it in this story. Think about that Peter Mel wave at Mavs 2020, I'm going to say. Like, I feel like Naz, when you see the big days it looks even if the wave is bigger when they measure it like it kind of looks the same so i feel like that's almost in the core surf world almost hurt the big wave surf scene in a way does that make sense yeah i have i want to i guess i wanted to ask you about this but like to me the nazare hype i just don't think it will sustain like i think it's like the freaking cryptocurrency of big wave surfing like it's got this like big high peak right now because that documentary comes out and obviously there's like a lot of money and attention around it. But I just don't see it remaining as like something that core big wave surfer guys choose to do forever and ever because I I don't know. Again, like obviously I'm not actually a big wave surfer, but if I was, 
I don't think I'd like want to be doing that. I'd want to be surfing Jaws. I'd want to be surfing Giant Cloud Break. I'd want to be surfing Mavericks. I don't think I'd want to be surfing Nazare. I think it's just people do it because there's money and fame to be garnered from it. Yeah, but things aren't going to change where a place can get bigger than that. Like that when that wave's cheating, it takes waves and bends them together to make a really really tall wave that can be the biggest wave ever ridden. Like that's why it works. It just it just twists the ocean together to make these giant things. So unless there's like an incentive to to do something else, the only events on the big wave world tour, it's not a big wave world tour. The only WSL big wave events this year are a paddle event at Jaws and a tow event at Nazareth. It's sick that they're having a paddle event at Jaws. But other than that, like, if you want to make a living out of riding big waves, which you don't have to, you can just ride them for fun. But if you want to make a living out of it, I, that's the way to do it. Like, go to Nazareth, Mercedes will sponsor you. But that's what I'm saying. Than... I think that's going to change. I don't think Nazareth is going to stay at the top because I think it's just this flash in the pan thing. I think eventually, hopefully, people will realize that it's just a shiny toy it's it's not actually that special or unique or the pinnacle of big wave surfing and yeah maybe there's no wave in the world that's going to be taller than it but if i cared about big wave surfing i I just don't think i mean yeah i guess it's cool to say you surf the biggest wave but when that means that one you're getting towed into it and two you're it's just basically a big tortilla chip that you're just riding down like i don't know it just doesn't hold much to me but anyway yeah nazareth annoys me it's the fucking bitcoin of big wave surfing yeah but like the problem is look at the people that are surfing right now they don't have rip curl and billabong and quicksilver and welcome deals like the people that are most some do but for the most part those there's no high level surfer on any of the brands that just paid or any there's no high highly paid surfer on any of those brands that's out there they're getting money from mercedes and from german cliff bar companies and I don't think those people are going to have the awareness to like be like, oh, this is the same as it was five years ago. Like that's that's how the money that's where that money is coming from. So yeah, like it's not going to come from inside the surf industry. The surf industry is already clearly over it. But I don't think like a German energy bar company isn't going to get over it. Mikey, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. It's still <laughs> going to be a thing. You know what? At least we have Lucas. Um, Chumbo, who goes out there and surfs it like it's a beach break on his tow board. Have you seen the clip that he put out recently on his Instagram? I've not, but I will. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. He's doing like legitimate airs on a tow board, granted, but he's like, he's bottom turning into like a 20, 25 foot face, hitting the lip, rotating and riding. Like it's just, he, he looks like an RC surfer and it's actually pretty cool. Um, I guess Kai Lenny does a bit of that as well. It's like the only thing that makes it semi-redeemable to me, even though it's still novelty. It's not true like big wave surfing, but at least it's fun to watch rather than somebody just riding down the face on a wave that they didn't catch and that is going to dissipate into nothing in about six seconds. Well, the fun pod- <laughs> the fun part about this podcast, folks, is that this story has nothing to do with what people are riding in Azurite. <laughs> um, <laughs> we just... We really just took you down a tangent there. This is about the, the boards that people are riding at, are paddling into massive waves on. I mean, the title implies that giant board, but, um, you know, we couldn't resist the Nazare bait now. And before we get to the surf sin, I do want to call out a few things that uh, just feel so fitting. We have some fitting, fitting stuff to call out in terms of what else is coming soon on Stab. 
and in the surf world. Uh, one thing I want to call out is this episode just led right to it, but we have a little profile that Paul Evans wrote on a man named Toby Trouble, who is a crypto king that toes Nazare. So just <laughs> yes. really tying us all together here. We'll talk about him next week. See, man, I told you. <laughs> and to go a step further, we may have a Nazare toe event called on um, next Thursday. This ball got downgraded a bit. I don't think we'll see it, but we are in the big wave season where we could see the Jaws event and that. So it could be on for Thanksgiving in the States next Thursday, but might not be. Seems like there might actually be a bigger swell kind of backing it up. So we'll see about that. We also have the next episode, episode four of How Surfers Get Paid, dropping next week. And we teased it before, but Noah Dean's stab edit of the year is coming, as well as every Maui surfer who Al B. Lair is currently editing. Uh, so a lot coming your way, folks. And Stace Galbraith is going to kill us if we don't talk about his joyride with Parco, which is now out on the site. Uh, if you want to know about Fincant, 17 Degrees, um, twin fins that shouldn't be twin fins it's all in there people it's on the site go get it stab premium it's really good i mikey you invented this thing but i mean how many world champs have you done it with <laughs> it's very true all right stace you have the joyride throne for now i'll be coming back soon okay but you know what folks it's time for a surf sand all right surf sand time this is a wild card. It took me a while to get to a penance on this one because it's an interesting story. I mean, you feel you feel emotions for different people here. I have some questions about the sinner himself, but let's hear it and we'll get to all that. Yeah, what's up, Buck? Danny, it's Michael. Uh, yeah, got a surf sin for you guys. Um, I think, first of all, to start... The worst kind of surfer is the guy in the parking lot with his phone in his ear telling his friends about how good the waves are and where to go. And it's even worse if you have a Bluetooth in your ear because that just makes you that much worse of a person. But um, anyway, my surf sin is pretty simple. I, I usually surf alone and I don't tell anyone where I'm going, and I just kind of, like, go paddle out at my local spot, and I like being alone, and there's no real harm in that, but I had a friend that he's kind of an adult learner, kind of doesn't really know his way around the lineup, gets out early because he's tired, and whatever, it, it doesn't matter, but he had a little bit of an illness, and I felt sorry for him because he got his driver's license taken away, and this was during COVID where everybody was surfing every day, and uh, I felt bad because he kept texting me, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll drive him to the beach, and, and you know, for a solid month, we surfed together almost, I mean, at least three times a week. I'd go pick him up, and he'd get out early, and I'd be looking at him on the beach, and he'd, you know, I'd, I'd get out, and you know, he'd want to go get lunch or whatever, and we'd go do that, and I never really do that, and it was fun, and it was good bonding time with an old friend, but it got to be a little much, and, you know, I don't like receiving many text messages or phone calls anyway, as it is, but you know what, I just, I felt guilty, 
you know, or not really guilty, but I felt bad for him because, you know, he didn't have a license and he wanted to surf and, you know, I, I would want him to do the same for me. But after a little while, I just kind of stopped responding to the text messages and stopped, you know, surfing with him altogether just, you know, because I like to be alone and nothing against him. I love him. He's a, a dear friend, but I kind of just ghosted him on the whole surf thing. So, uh, if I'm going to serve with a friend, it's because I run into you in the water. And, you know, that's kind of how I want everyone to be because, man, when I'm out in the lineup and I see, you know, four guys stretching on the beach and chatting it up and then they paddle out and they sit right on top of you and they're all talking about, you know, their work week or their family problems or whatever it is. It's like it, when we go surfing, we just kind of want to be Zen mode, you know, uh, so whether there's a sin here or not, I just feel bad uh, that I ghosted him. And uh, sorry, buddy. But all right, I I'm ready for my penance. Thanks, boys. Love it. Wait, Bluetooth? Where does this guy live? Two thousand two? Did that not jump out to you? Like, what, yes. what is he talking about? What like, what parking lot is he going to where people like? Is he just calling AirPods that? I mean, I thought like I thought we just agreed to switch that word to AirPods. I mean, he's not wrong, right? AirPods do utilize Bluetooth technology, but yeah, I thought <laughs> no, that was but hilarious. Just that <laughs> Did that? Am I am I weird for fixating on that? Uh, no, I think that's totally normal. Um, that was a really weird thing for him to say. But anyway, do you have? Um, do you want me to start? Do you want to start? How do you want to knock this guy out? Well, first, I just need to get to that, because that, the first listen especially was like, what? Like, I haven't heard anybody describe it as that since, the, <laughs> you know, the early 2000s. So I wanted to get that out of the way, and now you, you go. Okay. So I think, and this is, a, this is a fairly typical trend as well, that I think people's sin is not necessarily the thing that they think is the sin. So, Ooh. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm misconstruing what he's saying, but I think he's saying that, like, kind of ditching his friend is the sin to go yep. surfing and like yeah it's kind of a dick move but i also think surfing alone like if that really is your thing that's totally fine and understandable so long as you're not ditching your friend and then going to surf lowers like if you're gonna go alone you go to somewhere that does not have many people out at all otherwise you're just a dickhead so i don't think going to surf on his own is that bad what i do think is the sin is ghosting Ghosting to me is just like a really fucked way of being a human being. Like I just don't appreciate people who ghost at all. So I have a penance that is sort of in line with that. And it also goes with your whole Bluetooth thing. So I think that this is going to be a really hard one for him, but it'll teach him a good lesson. So what I want this person to do is to get an Apple Watch, link it to your iPhone, and wear it surfing for a week. Every single time that you're out surfing, any phone call text or email that you receive you have to respond to immediately wow okay you know we are we're coming at this i have a similar penance different but it boils down to the same thing i do want to say are you you're going to hawaii this year yes i am that was some i don't think john paisel is gonna be very happy with what you just said which part you said you hate ghosting oh <laughs> sorry john so, don't order any boards from him, I think. Um, but yeah, I do think 
I'm never going to guilt. I, I like this guy's energy, I got to say. Uh, a little bit of a wild card. You know, he's talking about Bluetooth. He's talking about Zen. I like him. I like him a lot. And um, for me, I agree. It's just I don't hate John Pizel as much as you, but I do think it boils down to communication. And you went real tech-heavy with it. I think that might overwhelm our little Zen friend here. So what I'm recommending is that he needs to just surf an entire session uh, calling out the direction that he is intending to go on a surfboard. Um, hope ideally he surfs a point break, but you know how sometimes every now and then that just happens, like when it's pretty clear, everybody knows what way somebody's going and they just kind of yell it out loud, even if like, and even if nobody else is paddling for the wave, just, you know, you yell left, right, whatever you're doing, you have to yell at every wave. Um, and call out one set. You don't have to call every set, but when a set's coming, just be the guy who yells set in the lineup because that's going to make you a better communicator because that is really a skill you need to work on. <laughs> and is it, uh, can he sort of use any terminology he wants? Like, can he say out the back or? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I'll leave that to him, but you know, have you ever had that happen? I feel like it used to happen more. Oh, for sure. That used to be like old guy's favorite thing to do. Like, yeah, that was a major part of surfing in my youth. You know what, fucking, I might bring it back. Uh, I surf alone too much, too, but I might just yell it to myself. Um, yes, yeah, so let's bring it back, and this guy's going to bring it back for us. I Let's do the set thing, get everybody hyped, but this guy also has to just say, call out which direction he's going, and um, especially if he's at a wave that is... Uh, predominantly one direction and that everyone knows exactly the way he's going. He just needs to, even if nobody else is paddling either, just yell it to yourself. And that's an entire session. Has to be audible. Don't say on your breath. You have to say it nice and clear. Other people need to hear it. So that's my penance. Or alternatively, you can throw on the Apple Watch and answer all or, of your calls. Or get the, get your Bluetooth out. Get overwhelmed. This is going to melt the guy down, Mikey. He's going to, he's, I don't think he knows. This guy still has a fucking, Walkman, you think he's going to put that thing on? Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. We'll be back next Friday with everything Buck mentioned at the end of our little chat. And it's going to be another huge week in surfing and on Stab Premium. So get amongst it, get the app, get on the site, however you want to take it in. It's all there. It's live. It's not free, but honestly, for how much we give, it's basically a drop in the bucket. Until then, over and out.